Hello and welcome to our candidate forecast by JP Morgan. I'm Meera Chandan from the FX Strategy team. And today I'm joined by my two colleagues, Arindam Sandalia and Ben Shadil from FX Strategy in Asia. Now, it's been a very important week for the Fed. Uh, we, of course, had the employment report last week, which was very strong, uh, showed uh, that uh, the decline in participation rate, the decline in unemployment rate, all of that is indicating that labor markets are uh, exceedingly tight in the U.S. Uh, in addition to that, uh, to cap that off, we've had the CPI uh, yesterday, uh, which showed that core inflation lifted to 6.6% uh, over a year ago, which is a 40-year high. So pretty key, pretty key releases, probably the most awaited releases on the U.S. side of the equation. Um, and uh, clearly, this has implications for the dollar. It has implications for the Fed. Um, as you know, we have been recommending uh, a bullish exposure to the dollar. And at least from the data that we have in hand over the past week, it does look like the U.S. side of that equation, of the dollar equation, is moving it towards even more strength. Uh, and sure enough, we have revised our key forecasts uh, for the key currencies that we tend to follow, which is the Japanese yen, uh, the Chinese yuan, and also the euro as well. So uh, we're going to walk through uh, some of those forecast changes today. Uh, let's start with Asia first, with Ben Shatir. Uh Ben, walk us through your latest forecast for dollar yen and uh, your thought process behind that, please. Thanks, Mira. Okay, so I think, you know, the last time you and I spoke, um, Japan had just intervened to buy the yen in the market for the first time since the late 90s. And I think, you know, since then, we've learned two things. The first is something that we we didn't know, which was that this yen purchase, um, so that the, the yen purchase intervention was the largest on record. Um, but I think the second is something that we did ex expect. And, you know, if I think back to our conversation a few weeks ago, we discussed how we thought you know, dollar yen would go on to make fresh highs um, despite the intervention, because fundamentally we thought and we still think that, you know, yen weakness can persist. So we are at fresh 32-year lows in the yen versus the dollar. Um, the bottom line is we think this can extend. And I guess that really reflects the, the same theme that we've seen for pretty much the whole year, that you know, the, the yield differential between the US and Japan, um, policy divergence between the Fed and the BOJ has not yet run its course. Um, and what that means is to the degree that, you know, policy divergence continues, uh, dollar yen can make continue to make fresh highs. So in terms of the forecast, we have lifted our target to 155 on dollar yen. Um, that, if I look at the relationship of the yen, dollar yen versus uh, yield differentials, that would probably be consistent with markets pricing in a terminal rate for the Fed at you know, close to five and a half percent. That may be a little bit you know, more aggressive than I think you know, certainly is in market pricing now and, and certainly relative to our, our house, our, our, our forecast from the economists. But the point I'd make is that even if we get some stabilization in yields you know, for, from here on, I suspect that dollar yen will, will continue to rise. And the reason for that is because Japan's trade deficit remains very wide. And so even if you don't get the, the impulse on dollar yen from the rate side, I think we'll continue to see importers selling the yen, buying foreign currency, foreign exchange, and, and pushing dollar yen higher. Thanks, Ben. And you know, obviously, BOJ is an important part of this, um, part of this uh, call as well. Uh, you've changed uh, uh, and pulled forward uh, the timing of uh, the tweak to the yield curve control from the BOJ. Uh, what what is that exact uh, specific uh, change in the timing, and what in your mind are the markers that are the most important for the BOJ 
when it comes to deciding whether they're going to stick with UDL control or not. Right. So the the forecast change that we've made for the BOJ call is for um, a change in YCC to happen in the first quarter next year. So so the baseline is March 2023. And what we think is going to happen is that the BOJ will will either widen the, the YCC trading band by 25 basis points, or it'll, it'll shift the target by 25 basis points. So the net effect in, in both of those scenarios is that the the target or the, the ceiling for the 10-year yield, the 10-year JGB yield, will rise from 25 basis points to 50 basis points. So I think the risk to that forecast is for an earlier move. So in other words, we get that that slight change in the YCC target sooner rather than later. Um, and to answer your question in terms of what markers are we looking for, I think fundamentally from the, the economic side, the macro side, we're looking for continued rises in, in both inflation rates as well as the, the breadth of price rises across the, the CPI basket. Um, and in particular, whether or not you know, price rises are, are moving from the goods sector to the services sector. But I, th I think the other important market to watch is, is really what's happening in terms of market functioning. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, the JGB market is effectively, you know, liquidity is, 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 is particularly bad. Um, the 10-year uh, JGB auctions have basically failed for, for three or four consecutive sessions. Um, demand for the ultra-long dated bonds is, is, is continuing, you know, continues to look very weak. So I think there is some narrative around the idea that potentially, you know, that the fact that YCC has caused these dysfunctions in the market could force the BOJ to move earlier. Um, and if we just think about, you know, what does that, that earlier move look like in terms of its impact on the yen? Well, let's say we get a surprise move in, in, um, at the BOJ meeting in two weeks from now a 25 basis point rise in the 10 year target. What does that mean for dollar yen? It probably means something like a 2% correction on the pair, sort of mechanically. But I think the other point to make is that if this change is communicated to the market by the BOJ as, as being a, a kind of a small tweak to policy, we don't think the impact on the yen is going to be long lasting. And therefore, to the degree that the trade deficit remains, in, you know, remains as wide as it is, um, continued pressure from potentially from US rates, um, I suspect that the, the more medium term path for, for the yen, for dollar yen, will be higher. In other words, dollar yen higher, the yen lower. Okay, so dollar yen at 155, pretty punchy. Um, let's let's move to China now. Uh, Arindam, you revised uh, the dollar CNY target as well. Can you walk us through um, the rationale and the latest forecast? And then also, uh, dollar CNY has seen a fair amount of volatility recently. We saw that pullback from 720 to 710 area, back to 720 again. Uh, what's what's going on there as well? Yeah, thanks, Mira. Uh, so a few things that we've learned uh, on China and the CNY since we last spoke on this podcast. First is uh, we've learned over the past uh, month or two that the, the rate at which China's uh, external side, especially the export sector, is worsening, has accelerated over this time period. Uh, so, for example, the um, Kaizen PMI new export orders component is now sitting at 45 and a half. That's a three-point drop from last month's reading. And, and this was one of the big sources of support for CNY over the past couple of years. And, and this erosion is kind of eye-catching. Uh, and of course, this is all unfolding against the backdrop of a financial flow um, uh, setup that's not conducive to CNY. FBI outflows continue, even though at a smaller pace than in H1. And given the 
the state of global financial conditions, uh, it, it doesn't look likely that those flows will return in a hurry anytime soon. That's one. Uh, number two is um, the PBOC reaction function that ties in uh, directly with the sort of volatility that you refer to, Mira. Uh, now, what we've been surprised by has been the relative uh, permissiveness of the PBOC in letting even you know, previously uh, what were considered key levels like 720 on, on $CNY go without much resistance. This is very different from the PBOC that was managing a relatively a hard line in the sand around 7-0 during the days of the US-China trade conflict in 2018-2019. Uh, and we think that there is room for the PBOC to stay uh, relatively relaxed, relatively hands-off in its FX management because the CNY basket continues to be quite stable above, above 100. And so long as this is a broad dollar move, which is exactly what the authorities referred to in the latest statement, you know, dollar CNY can find a clearing level that's consistent with the rest of the FX block. And then finally, just piggybacking onto um, Ben's dollar yen uh, forecast revision higher. Um, you know, one thing that we have observed this year, not just for CNY, but for the entire uh, North Asian FX complex is uh, the rising cross correlation between those currencies and the yen. And if dollar yen is uh, slated to rise into the mid 150s, it's difficult to imagine that dollar CNY would hang around current levels. So put all of those together, we're expecting 740 on dollar CNY as the uh, forecast profile peak by 1Q of next year. And given where the rest of our forecasts stand, um, the CFETs Y should still be within a relatively stable band, about a couple of percent lower from current levels around 98. But um, you know, just curious about what you're thinking about the euro has your view on the currency that changed at all and have your targets changed as a result? Yes, absolutely. I think the dollar uh, side of the equation, as I said, with the Fed, uh, the, the, date, the key data that's most relevant to the Fed uh, on labor markets and on inflation uh, coming on the firmer side, much firmer side of expectations. I think uh, that in combination with uh, the domestic uh, macro picture in Europe, I think all of that warrants a downgrade of uh, euro dollar uh, targets. So just, just if you recall, uh, our previously published euro dollar targets um, uh, was for 95 uh, as a base case. 90 was our adverse scenario uh, target. Um, as far as our base case of 95 was concerned, uh, that was um, of course closely tested this month. Uh, but as we, you know, as we look through um, the current conditions on the ground, we're having a hard time sort of coming up with reasons to actually turn around and, and become bullish or even neutral on, um, on the euro. Uh, the key reasons to still stay bearish on, um, on the euro from our point of view are basically, uh, if I start with well, the very first one, which is um, of course the energy dependence issue. We've had a fair amount of uh, decent progress, better than expected progress from uh, domestic policy on that front. Gas storage has already been filled up uh, and uh, alternative sources of uh, energy have also been tapped upon much quicker than expected. Uh, but there are still the outstanding issues of, uh, you know, how severe the upcoming winter is, uh, which is obviously an exogenous factor. And importantly, um, the depletion of gas supplies when we get to the other side of the season will also be problematic for confidence over the medium term. So energy dependence is not really going away as a source of vulnerability for the region. Uh, the second um, important issue that is becoming increasingly more relevant for the euro is, is the carry. Um, and as, as the employment data and the inflation data in the U.S. is pushing the Fed to become more and more aggressive, I think it's important to remember that the carry 
in um, uh, in euro continues to worsen quite substantially and become more and more negative relative to the U.S. And uh, if you take a look at the policy rate differentials, for example, between the euro and the U.S., which basically uh, sort of is reflective of the carry in, in the euro, it's approaching its most negative levels post-GFC and is clearly set to worsen even further. And historically, we've found that uh, when, when carry gets to such negative levels, that tends to be a persistent bearish drag on euro dollar quarter after quarter, usually to the tune of two and a half percent. So somewhere between two to three percent every quarter is the bearish um, sort of pressure on, on euro dollar. And that by itself, I think, compared um, to where we are right now, should be good enough to actually get us to 92 or 93 uh, by the end of the first quarter of uh, next year. So for that reason, uh, you know, we are uh, pushing down uh, euro dollar targets. Um, our base case was 95, as I said. Now we're uh, penciling in uh, a potential test for 90 for euro dollar. Um, and of course, on top of uh, the scary aspect, uh, you know, I think it's important to remember that even though dollar valuations are rich, for euro itself, the valuations are not that cheap and global growth risks are mounting. And if you get, in addition to sort of the Fed hikes, you get China weakness and, and global growth weakness, that obviously boards poorly for the euro as well. So overall, uh, keeping the bearish stance and um, lowering targets, setting sites to 90 for euro dollar. Okay, so the dollar CNY at 740, dollar yen at 155, euro at 90, we're all feeling quite, quite punchy today. Um, hence, I have to ask the question if Ben is watching uh, a tweak in the BOJYCC as, the, as, as, a, as a sort of short-term risk to the view, if you are watching any signs of a policy shift in China as a risk to the CNY view, uh, I know, what should we watch for as risks to your Euro view over the next, next few weeks or months? Uh, it's a great question. And, you know, this is, this is a very tough trading market. Liquidity is poor. Uh, macro conditions are shifting very quickly. Um, and I think um, at this point, um, there's probably more clarity in sort of the you know three to six months view in some ways than it is for the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, so from my point of view, for the euro, the one thing that we've been flagging is that growth momentum in the region has been neutralizing. Uh, so surprise data had been surprising highly uh, to the downside of consensus expectations. That's now closer to expectations. Our EVs are closer to zero. So that's um, that's been a um, obviously a meaningful development but it's still relatively early stage. I think the other added issue is that the fiscal support um, is coming in and you know the latest one has been from Germany and that is uh, basically signaling that we could see some potential modest growth upgrades um, in the near term as, as we get absorbed into economists uh, baseline. Um, and so, you know, that and that could potentially trigger some buy signals um, on our uh, model-based frameworks as well. So. That is obviously um, a near-term concern for somebody who's more tactically minded. I, I just, you know, I'm, I'm of the view personally that modest growth down rates don't really change the underlying narrative. They remove some of the tail risks and reduce the tail risk, but they don't really um, change the underlying narrative, which is still one of a recession in the region that will stay intact. So, you know, continuing to watch that pretty closely and the upcoming flash PMIs will be quite important in that regard. And the second issue, I think, is also what's going on uh, within Europe. I mean, more, it's a UK issue is around this, um, uh, you know, a potential backtrack that could come uh, from uh, on the fiscal side from the trust administration. That's definitely a wild card. Um, the decisive break of euro dollar through parity came in conjunction with sterling. So clearly, if we get some relief on that front, um, that could be a near term potential upside factor for euro as well. 
but uh, as, as I noted before, we're really emphasizing more the medium-term bearish view and, um, and really the Fed uh, and the uh, regional vulnerabilities are the prime focus alongside the negative carry in Euro. So for that reason, we're sticking to our, uh, our bearish uh, view on the currency. I'll stop there. Thank you very much for joining us today. Um, more information is available on jpmm.com. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Uh, please refer to JP Morgan Research reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2022 JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on October 14, 2022.